Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast, where we strive to bring you useful and timely information to inspire and encourage you on your journey with histiocytosis. This is episode 58, the 2023 Hopecast. very special welcome to our Histio community and listeners. I'm your host, Kathy Wisniewski. If you've been with us over a year, you might recall that last year on Giving Tuesday, the Tuesday immediately following Thanksgiving, we brought you our first ever live Hopecast. It was such a big hit that we turned it into a podcast so it would live on for people to enjoy. It was such a special event with various Histio patients, families, and doctors joining us to give updates from their own stories, experiences, and perspectives. Hopecast 2022 was enjoyed so much by so many that we just had to do it again this year. And just like last year, we're sharing it on the podcast again as well. Before we dive in, we'd like to say thank you to you and to all of our listeners and to everyone in our community who fuels the work that we do. And also for another very successful Giving Tuesday. The words thank you never seem to be enough to express exactly what we're feeling, but we hope you know how appreciated you all are. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Histiocytosis Association's 2023 Hopecast with special appearances by Megan Butler, Dr. Scott Canna, Kelsey Cheek, April Duda, Drew Friedman, Fernando Goetz, Jim and Lisa Greathouse, Kayla Kleminski, Kevin Maselli, Dr. Lauren Meyer, Nate Milam, Tyler Ordonez, Dr. Vasilios Papadakis, The Ross Family, Karen Van Sickle, and your co-host Deanna Fournier, and me, Kathy Wisniewski. So welcome on in, sit back, and enjoy Hopecast 2023 as together we look to the future. Hello, and a very special welcome to our Histio community and listeners, and to our viewers as well. That's right, it's time for Hopecast 2023, which means that we are broadcasting this live on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And then later, we're going to turn this into a Beyond the Diagnosis podcast episode. So whenever and however you're listening, welcome on in. We're so glad you're here. Let me give you a brief overview into what we're going to see or hear today. We are recording this on Giving Tuesday, which is often described as a global generosity movement unleashing the power of people and organization to transform their communities and the world. This, of course, is exactly the heart of our mission, right? To transform our community and our world until we see a world without histio. As we near the close of the year, this is a wonderful opportunity to reflect on the accomplishments that we as a community have realized this year and the milestones that you have made possible through your generosity and support because we could not do any of this without you. So tonight we wanna celebrate our accomplishments, we want to celebrate you, and we want to look towards the future. So what we have for you today is an hour or so packed with patients, families, caregivers, doctors from all over the country and the world who are gonna share with you the impact that has been made over the past and, and the vision for the future. 
Okay, let me take a look at the chat. We have Claire from the UK, welcome. Tim from Pennsylvania is the only ones I see so far. I know there's more of you, so go ahead and keep adding those in the chat. And I would love to uh, give you a personal hello and a shout out. But uh, while we're waiting for that, before we go any further, I would love to introduce my co-host, a frequent and well-known podcast guest, Diana Fournier, the Executive Director of the Histiocytosis Association, as she joins me for this very special episode. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hi, Kathy. Hi, everyone. I'm doing really well. It's exciting to be here, and I love the opening of the Hopecast. It was so fun, and I'm really excited for today. (laughs) I can't believe that it is uh, Giving Tuesday again already. It was such a fast year. It really was. It was. As we get started, I'd love to get your per- your quick perspective on some things. You had um, histio as a child, and you know a lot about the history and the progression of the disease over the years and the challenges that were overcome in order to get where we are today. What would what would you say are the challenges with the disease today as compared to time gone by? Thank you for asking that question. I feel like I've been reflecting a lot on this this year, and I'll probably touch on it throughout the conversation, especially coming out of the Histiocyte Society annual meeting, there's just been so much that I've taken away from where we are currently. I remember when I was diagnosed, you know, it was 30 years ago, there was so much of a difference in what what it looked like to be diagnosed, the knowledge that physicians had, and even the treatments that were available. In fact, you know, I think I've been able to find some gratitude and some of the shift in our focus to serving the community and solving new challenges because of how far we've come. We've made progress in therapy and diagnosis. We understand genomics behind histiocytosis. When I was diagnosed, we didn't know that there was any, uh, you know, genetic aspect to this or genomics at play. And so I didn't have a genomic profile done, but that is something that's now part of the standard of of care for diagnostics. Um, There are FDA approved therapies. We have inhibitors that understand how to target those um, genetic mutations that are uh, present with the histiocytic disorder. So there's there's so much, and I even look at just how many physicians, um, clinicians, and researchers are knowledgeable about histiocytosis. Even going to the doctor now, if I mention it, I more often than not get, I know what that is versus can you explain that? And I know that that's still there's still a lot of work to be done, but the fact that there are new challenges to solve is illustrative of the progress we're making. One example of that is we're starting to work on solving the transition of care from pediatric to adult because treatment is effective and outcomes have improved. So in a way, I think we're grateful to be able to work on these projects. It shows how far therapy has come, research has come, and you know just what we're developing, these, these uh, really great opportunities. So I'm really excited to, to talk to you today about all the things that are, are going on and, and how this is helping to really build the future. Um, all these increased partnerships, advocacy, collaboration, there's just so much. So it's really hard to pinpoint one specific thing. I think there's just been a tremendous amount of change over the last 30 years. It really has. And there are just so many exciting things that are happening in the Histio world. It seems like there's just so much energy right now, especially coming off of the Histiocyte Society annual meeting. And we love to highlight the things that we're doing so that all of you in our community can always be in the loop and um, know exactly what's going on. Well, speaking of exciting things, Deanna, I understand we have a special guest with us tonight who wants to share something pretty exciting with our audience. 
Hi, Kelsey. So, so welcome. Uh, Kelsey is joining us as a member of the Board of Trustees with the Histiocytosis Association. And um, you know, today being Giving Tuesday and an exciting time of year, um, Kelsey wanted to join to share a very special message. So welcome, Kelsey. It's great to have you. Awesome. Thanks, Diana. Thanks, Kathy, for having me. Appreciate it. So, Kelsey, um, in terms of the board uh, and, and thinking about Giving Tuesday, is there anything that you wanted to share with the Histio community about the importance of this day and any anything from the board's behalf that you'd like to present as an opportunity for them to get involved and give back? Yeah, so, you know, and I appreciate you get everybody giving me a chance to speak. I think, you know, on behalf of the board and you know, Deanna and I met a few weeks ago and we just kind of listed out a bunch of different things that, you know, for the future, right, of how can we get involved and how can we get the name out there and various different aspects of, you know, what is next and how do we define growth and kind of hope. And, you know, I met with the whole group and everything is, you know, as you guys are going to see throughout the this whole hope cast and processes, everybody is so passionate and willing to lend a hand no matter what every part of you know, every day, you know, you just see the smiles and, and the willingness to give up their time to kind of help and push things forward. And, and to me, that drives so much of the hope and why we're here and how we're, you know, positioning ourselves and giving Tuesday, but not just today, but the long term goals of, you know, everything across the association, which is just incredible in this journey. And, you know, I'm newer to the board and, and fortunate enough to you know, the reason I was really drawn to this is is the view and the vision of your hope. So, you know, as as I mentioned, some of the awesome parts here is is kind of the board match, right? So one of the things that, you know, we're kind of working on this year is is working to match, a, you know, was it $14,000, Deanna, and, and uh, maybe $14,150 for this year. So very exciting stuff that, um, you know, the board has kind of come together to match on Giving Tuesday and you know, I think as part of this journey, we're, you know, we're in this with everybody here and want to be as supportive as possible. Thank you so much, Kelsey. And it's been amazing to have your energy and your passion on the board. And um, just just to update you on where the, the board's match is at, we currently are $5,110 away from reaching that match, which is incredible. There's been so much generosity uh, coming in today, so many amazing messages from the community as well. And um, just really grateful to the board for helping to inspire and drive that. So if we reach that number, we can have that, that match. And that would bring us to a total of $28,000 raised in, in 24 hours for histiocytosis research and support programs. And just to share the, the generosity of the community, last year, we raised $25,000 in, in 24 hours. The year before, $11,000 in 24 hours. So the community is just doing some incredible things. And just to see the board continue to drive um, that passion for the community as well is so inspiring. And we really appreciate your support and dedication. Yeah, and that's incredible. I think that, you know, that gives us all hope alone just to kind of push forward and try to strive for these goals as you guys are working very hard to do so. So uh, we appreciate everything you're doing as well um, on behalf of the board and, and everybody kind of listening in and working behind the scenes here to pull this all together. Wow. Thank you so much, Kelsey. It's it's really absolutely incredible to see the dedication that our community and our board has to our mission um, and just to all of our, our listeners out there, if you'd like to join in and help us to reach that full match, it's super simple. All you have to do is go to our website, which is histio.org, and um, you can click that donate button to make a donation, or you can give us a call at 
589-6606. And you can get us one step closer to realizing that full match from the board. So super exciting. Well, we have a couple more people joining us, I see, in the chat. We have Dan Daniel from Argentina. Hello, welcome. We have Fernando from Barcelona as well. So welcome to both of you. Glad you're here. Well, we thought it would be fun to um, start from our mission and work our way kind of deeper through our program so that you can hear more about the work that we do and how we've been nurturing and growing those programs to support you and how you've made an impact and can continue to do so. Diana, why don't you uh, talk about our mission and the pillars that stand in support of that mission? So we are dedicated to um, raising awareness, providing educational, emotional support, and funding research that leads to better treatments and cures for all histiocytic disorders. And so in the context of histiocytosis, um, why we have such a broad-reaching mission is because we know that the patient journey is not linear, and also that there are so many elements that go into really driving change. And it, it, what these pillars lean on each other. So they bring a lot of value to the community because we're able to touch on all aspects of, of not only the journey, but all the different points of resources and support that you might need. Under the bucket of awareness and how we execute on these, we have advocacy and fundraising. We have family group collaboration, which I think we'll talk a little bit more about today. We have our ambassador program as well, which um, it, it's an empowering program that gives uh, people that are interested in getting more involved with the association team an opportunity to really drive, drive forward, um, you know, raising awareness in the local level or participating in different activities, conferences and, and meetings um, as representative of the association and of the community. In terms of educational and emotional support, um, we, you know, we have run webinars throughout the year. We have developed brochures. We continuously um, update our website information to make sure we have the latest, not only information about each histiocytic disorder, but the treatments. We also um, try to curate clinical trial registry and other study opportunities and share that with the community as well. We also have our peer-to-peer -peer support meetings that we uh, launched a couple of years ago, and those have evolved to not only peer-to-peer -peer support for patients, but peer-to-peer -peer support for caregivers and care partners. We have a grief support group, and we're continuing to evolve those as we head into the future, um, taking feedback from the community. We have our podcast, which uh, Kathy is our, our amazing host of and has a tremendous reach with the podcast as well, spanning across the world. We have a blog where we try to keep you updated on things that are going on that may be too detailed for a newsletter. And so we highlight them in the newsletter and then you can dive deeper and read. And uh, junior investigator education, which we'll touch on as well. And then under the research bucket, we of course have our annual research program where we fund seed grants in the amount of 50000 US dollars, and we fund as many as we can based on the funds raised throughout the year. In addition to that, we also have a partnership with the Histiocyte Society, and that partnership has been in existence since both organizations had started, so back in uh, the mid-1980s. And that, that relationship really um, allows us to lean on each other for bringing the patient perspective and challenges and, and initiatives forward, but also being able to learn where research is headed and to hear the exciting uh, projects and work that are going on, in addition to a variety of other opportunities to partner 
And then we participate uh, in steering committees in various different research projects. We're involved in studies. Um, we, we, this year, have been really supporting the N2HLH registry uh, much more closely, as well as uh, the University of Alabama at Birmingham's follow-up study. And there is a lot of other engagements that we do in terms of research. So we try to execute on these pillars equally and strongly, knowing that these are all things that we can do to help bring you closer to the support that you need and also to bring us closer to a cure. So amazing. We really do do our best to kind of reach out in every aspect that we possibly can in order to realize our mission and our vision to eventually see a world without histio. So let's dive into kind of that first pillar that you talked about, which is awareness. We have a couple of special guests that we want to bring into the awareness part of the conversation, but there's two that I want to start with that have really impacted and have been impacted by awareness. We have Lisa Greathouse and Drew Friedman. Lisa and Drew, welcome so much to HopeCast 2023. We're so glad to see you. So happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Awesome. Well, both of you have been very involved in advocacy and awareness, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that. First, Lisa, you've been involved with the association for many years. Um, how and why did you personally choose to raise awareness, and what difference do you see today as opposed to when you started this work? Uh, well, I um, became involved in Histiocytosis Association because of my son, Samuel, and he, he had LCH, and he died um, at the age of two just uh, about a month after his birthday, unfortunately. Um, and this was in 2007. But knew about the association just soon after he was diagnosed. Uh, I remember a doctor coming in, waving a sheet of paper. He was saying, um, you know, encouraging us to go on the website, which has certainly changed a lot since then. And um, got to know Jeff and other members of the community and just felt welcomed, felt less alone. Um, I appreciated the honesty that, that I saw in, you know, with, with, um, with Samuel's diagnosis and sort of what the prognosis would be and, and that it was going to be tough, but, um, but certainly, uh, again, just a very welcoming community and just needing that place to go. And I think has, and, and, um, certainly has brought me to the community and, and why I stay, one of the reasons why I stay. And, you know, I'm just so impressed with how the Histiocytosis Association goes, not just goes, grows on and on and on. Um, the work dynamic, the work ethic, the support. Um, histiocytic disorders may be rare, but awareness doesn't have to be, you know, any, anybody can, and certainly the medical field needs to know about it. And that's one thing I've seen change a lot too over, over the time I've been involved. That's fantastic. Um, you have done so much work for us and we are so grateful to you for everything you've done over the years. What would you say is the, the biggest shift that you've seen as far as awareness is concerned? Oh, uh, I think something that uh, Deanna alluded to a bit earlier that now, oh yes, I've heard of that is a response you get from, from people. And, and so that's encouraging. I think that's a, a big shift. Um, the people getting involved, getting involved in advocacy, seeing the importance of it and being able to be part of that has, has certainly been rewarding. 
But uh, I mean, you guys, uh, you say you say shift, and, and I guess it's really. I mean, I think you're almost constantly growing and shifting, and and just making such inroads. It's just been uh, wondrous to watch, and and I just remain in awe of of the whole organization and everybody who works so hard, the supporters, you know, especially you guys, the staff. That's amazing. I've I've been at the association now for 15 years, and I agree. It's exciting to see just how how much more that we're able to do now, especially with social media and things like that, just to get the word out. It's really really exciting. I think we're at a very exciting and pivotal time in histio um, histio research and and developments. So, yeah, you were um, one of the first pe- people I got to know. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's been a little while now since we've it had has been a little while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Drew, you have um, greatly focused on advocacy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? How does advocacy help further Histio on the national scene and within individual states? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, actually, um, just within the last two years, actually, and you know, thanks to Deanna and then Melinda as well, and the rest of the team. Uh, we've been able to actually introduce the ambassador program. And so because of that, we've actually been able to attend conferences. We've been able to meet on a monthly basis. Um, and then even from there, that stemmed into other individuals actually attending events, such as meeting with their local congressmen. Um, and for example, even last year, I was able to meet while living in Washington, D.C. with my elected representative and where we've actually been able to go ahead and have conversations about if it's just histiocytosis specifically or just rare disease in general. We've been able to get out there on a federal level, but also even focus in on our state level representatives and kind of speak for ourselves as a group. That's awesome. It's so important. And I think that, you know, the work that you've done has has helped with what Deanna and Lisa both said, which is, now, you know, people know more about it. Doctors know more and say, I've heard of that before. Um, so thank you for all the work you do as well. I would, I would love to hear from both you, both of you, Lisa and, and Drew, what do you see for the future of Histio? Well, it's funny. I think I always repeat this every time someone asks, but as much as I love with working it with everyone in the association, I, I think our vision as a group should always be that we no longer have to do this, right? If we can go ahead and find cures where people aren't dealing with these issues or people are at least being treated to where they're comfortable, then I think that's our goal. So again, as much as I love working with all these amazing people, um, I think our focus has always been one, to make sure people are treated and are comfortable if there is not a cure, but then two, go ahead and continue to strive to finding cures and hopefully rid of, uh, of histiocytosis in general? Well, I think everybody eventually wants to see, uh, you know, no need for the organization, right? <laughs> but I think there is uh, something with uh, about histiocytosis and what it is going to tell us in the future about histiocytes in general and and what that can mean to the medical field. And it's out there, Um and we just we just have to find it. So I, I think um, the future of Histio will play a role in, in something really fantastic down the road. Awesome. Well, Lisa and Drew, thank you so much for joining us and for being a part of Hopecast 2023 and, and spending your time with us. We so appreciate everything that you do. So thank you so much. Very appreciative thank of everything you, you guys do. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, Lisa and Drew. Thank you so much.
Okay, I did see a couple more people come into the chat. We have uh, Sandra from Michigan watching on Facebook, although she's currently in Japan, so that's pretty exciting. And then we have uh, Reese, I'm sorry if I said that wrong, from Facebook as well. Her, her five-year-old niece is a Histia warrior. So um, I'm, we're so glad you're here, and we hope that uh, we could be of service to you. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out. Okay, well, along these same lines, we have an ambassador, Kevin Maselli, who couldn't be here with us live tonight, but he did submit a video that we're going to play for you right now. Hello, everyone. Kevin Maselli here from New Jersey, um, history ambassador and LCH warrior. Um, just getting on here to help spread the awareness for our wonderful Histio um, organization and the lovely things we do and, and the lovely things uh, my fellow ambassadors and colleagues do for this wonderful organization. Um, I think for myself it's it's important um, to come on here and help uh, continue to spread the awareness. Um, when I was diagnosed with the disease back in the early 2000s, I didn't really have this group of people um, that really understood what was going on and, and what we were going through. So um, to help, you know, to have the resources to reach out and have, you know, doctors who specialize in this stuff talk to us, to listen to our fellow ambassadors, to listen to other family members, um, for them to continue to just spread the awareness is so important. Um, I think at the beginning of COVID was really, um, when I started to reach out to see what um, was available as in terms of resources and what was sort of to come of the diseases that uh, present us. Um, and weirdly enough, I actually Googled, um, you know, as you get older, what happens with LCH and came across Histio.org. Um, so at the time I spoke with Jeffrey and Deanna was just coming into her place as the executive director. And um, it was finally one of the first times where I felt comfortable because it was finally speaking with people that understood what was going on, uh, that experienced similar things, um, and sort of that sense of rarity and what's going to happen. Um, it was just comforting to have other people that experienced that. Um, I think the biggest shift of awareness over the years is just the dedication to provide the resources, you know, just having an organization like ours, creating the ambassador program, just to have patients spread the awareness, to spread hope, um, to give families um, the resources needed. I think it's important um, to see the shift because growing up, like I said, I, I didn't really have people that, you know, outside of my immediate family that were there to help support me. Um, and it was always scary to go to new doctors and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, what's this?" Um, so it it was it's it's really important that this awareness is here and these organizations are there because it, it it's a it's a nice outlet um, to be in a group of people that understand what you're going through. I'm forever grateful for this organization. Um, forever grateful to be a part of it. Um, my day job is to be an advocate for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So any way you can advocate for a disease that's rare as mine and to help others, I'm, I'm here for it. Wow. Thank you, Kevin, for your inspiring story and your dedication to our community and to the ambassador program. 
Now, speaking of the ambassador program, which we've touched on a couple of times now, one exciting development that we've just had within the last couple of months has been the implementation of our youth ambassador program, which we're going to talk about in a second. But before that, we have another ambassador, Megan Butler, who also could not join us live, but has sent us through a video message describing her feelings about the community and what it's meant to her. So let's take a look. Hello, my name's Megan and I'm a Histio warrior and ambassador. Now I've only been at the Histiocytosis Association a few months and so it's really hard for me to comment on how fundraising and events have changed over the past few years. What I can say though is my experience so far has been incredibly positive and the community are there to support and encourage one another sharing ideas on how to gauge interest with the public and share our message and getting that message across. What inspires me the most is the community because they're one big family and they've been so welcoming to me, listening to my story and encouraging me to share it with others. And that's that gives me such a sense of empowerment. And for those who've been impacted by Histio directly or indirectly, it's such a massive thing to know that you're not alone and you're, you don't have to be isolated anymore. The future of Histiocytosis Association can only be a positive one because we're gaining that momentum, we're connecting with more and more people, we're raising awareness, raising funds for clinical trials. And so I can only see a future with the cure to histio diseases in it. Call me optimistic, but that's how I see it. Thank you so much, Megan. It's it's truly an honor to be a part of your journey, and we look forward to continuing to work with you. Well, next up, as I mentioned, we are excited to share with you one of our latest programs, an extension of our ambassador program that now incorporates youth ages 12 to 17. But this wasn't our idea. This was actually the idea of our first youth ambassador, Tyler Ordonez, joining us tonight. Tyler, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, you actually had the inspiration to uh, to to reach out to us and uh, to suggest us doing a youth ambassador program. What what inspired you to do that? Why did you why did you want to get involved? Yeah, so um, I had always wondered about my histio story because I didn't know about much. Uh, it all happened so long ago when when I was only one. So after uh, I became um, not cured, but like uh, no evidence of disease anymore. Uh, it just really hasn't been part of my life. Uh, but recently I've been more curious about it. So I asked my mom and she sh uh, showed me the Histiocytosis Association's website. And then I saw the ambassador program. So that looked really interesting. And I reached out to the association to try to become one, but I didn't know if it was possible to because I'm uh, still in high school. But um, they suggested a youth program instead that they were um, trying to start, but never got to it yet. So I helped uh, create that program, and now I'm the first Histio Youth Ambassador. How does it feel to be the very first one? It, it, it's so, it's crazy. I'm not <laughs> usually one for first. Like, I've never really done anything like this, but this has been incredible. That's awesome. Well, tell us what kinds of things you hope to accomplish in this role. Yeah, so um, I've accomplished many things and hope to accomplish more uh, in terms of like awareness and raising money. Um, I've hosted a bake sale at my local farmer's market uh, so far in the past summer. 
and it was really cool seeing uh, the public and my community and people I know rally around a cause that was so important to me. And then over the summer, I also advocated um, and lobbied uh, the California senators through uh, the Youth and Teen Advocacy Day, which was hosted by the um, the Every Life Foundation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was really cool because it was a bunch of other kids with rare disease or uh, kids who have been affected by rare diseases. And so it was, it was really nice to see that, or for me to realize that like, I'm not alone in, in terms of like people my age having rare diseases. So yeah, in the future, I hope to keep working uh, with both these organizations and spreading awareness about HISU and all rare disease in general. That's so cool. You are truly making a difference. Um, it's really, really inspiring to see someone your age get so involved and to want to make a difference. And um, that that inspires me to want to do more. So thank you for everything that you're doing. You are doing the thing. And um, that's what we that's what we have to do. And I just, you know, as you're telling your story, I'm just thinking about all those people at the farmer's market that probably never heard of histiocytosis that all know about it now. So Thank you so much. Welcome to the ambassador team. And we Thank can't you. wait to see what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tyler. So inspiring. It really, really I, is. There was, he created this whole uh, idea on his own. And I, I remember him recounting that story. And it was just really beautiful of what the bake sale meant to him and the community. Yeah, it's, it sure is. It sure is. Um, let's see. I'm looking in the chat real quick. Um, Reese is in Virginia Beach who has the five-year-old niece, who's a Histia warrior. We also have with us Tracy from Ontario. Her son is a longtime LCH warrior, and she's on the board of directors of the uh, Histiocytosis Association of Canada. Well, Deanna, I think we have a guest that uh, you've worked pretty closely with over the last couple of years. Absolutely, yes. Uh, so Fernando uh, Goetz from the OR Association in Spain and April Duda from the Histiocytosis Association of Canada. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to have both of you with us tonight and I'm really excited to, to speak with you both more about the international collaboration that has been taking place over the years. And I know you know, this has been a dream and an initiative and something that has been going on for a very long time. And um, over the last, I'd say, maybe four years, five years or so, we've really tried to formalize what this collaboration could look like because our vision really is to work together for patients and families around the world. And you both do some incredible work with your organizations. Um, so I'd love to, to, you know, hear more from you um, maybe, April, we can start with you um, with the Histiocytosis Association of Canada. Maybe uh, if you can just introduce your relationship to histiocytosis and share a little bit more about what has been the most inspiring aspect of this collaboration over the last few years. Thank you, Deanna, and thank you very much for having me today. I'm so excited about our, our years to come and where we've come in histiocytic diseases and research. And I've been involved on and off since 1995. My daughter was diagnosed at 18 months, and uh, unfortunately, she passed away at the age of three from LCH. I have no um, doubt if she had um, got LCH in 2020 or even the 2000s, 
that she would survive today. This is how far the research has come, the treatment process has come, and it's exciting to see where things are going. So I got involved and uh, I recently became came back onto the board and um, it's incredible the strides that we've made and the collaboration worldwide with yourself, Deanna and, Deanna, sorry, and Fernando and the international groups that um, are linked together, um, the Coalition of Histio International Patient Support, aka CHIPS, was developed recently, and uh, it's it's incredible the um, success that this group has had in such a short period of time. Um, in Canada, we're actively researching or supporting research. We've just um, decided to do a collaboration with the American Association, which we're very thankful for, on two uh, research projects. And we uh, helped out with the um, LCH4 study as well. We've had many webinars this year. And, you know, two years ago, um, if you'd asked me to participate in a webinar, and I, I would have just laughed at you because I had no idea what they are. But, you know, this is, this is where the HA has been um, so supportive of us and helping us to um, become a little bit more of a front runner and, and more aware and um, and building the uh, collaboration with with your group, our group, and social media. Social media is fairly new for us too. We've we've uh, really um, successfully launched a lot of social media campaigns through Facebook and Instagram, and and primarily because of the help of HA. Um, our goals, like for twenty twenty four, are are keeping the stride, the momentum going with. Uh, our awareness campaigns, our knowledge, our education to our primary supply, our primary doctors, and uh, it's really important for this worldwide um, international group to collaborate and continue the work that they're doing. Thank you so much, April. And Histiocytosis Association of Canada does some amazing work for um, patients around the world. And you do a tremendous amount in Canada as well. And uh, but being being able to kind of bridge beyond those borders and beyond beyond country scope, you've done so much. And we really look up to to you as partners. And um, it's been amazing working with you. Fernando, I know you've been very active in bridging healthcare provider education for all Spanish-speaking countries, and your organization is based in Spain. Um, we've worked very closely together as well, and you've you've led um, you know, webinars where HA has been able to participate in. And um, just can you tell us a little more about your work? And, and same question um, as if with April, what has been the most inspiring aspect of the collaborative efforts? So, first of all, buenas noches. It's very very late here in Spain. It's around 1 a.m. for us in the night, so it's a great, it's a huge opportunity to talk to you, and it's amazing to see you again, both of you, Diane, April. It was so, so great to, to meet you in Greece, and it's so important, uh, first of all, that, that we're all together participate in this type of, of, the, of, of activities, because we, we, were, we were running the same things, the, our organizations are really concentrating and focusing on the same aspects in, in all of the areas that we're working. So it's so, so was important to us to, to really start collaborating with, with you, with all of you, 
for many years now and, and really being able to meet you in all these congresses is really great because we continue to work. I mean, there is so, so much work uh, that has been done already, but uh, there, are, there are a lot of things to do. Um, specifically us in our association uh, in Spain, and we are in Spain based in Barcelona, but we are really, as you said, Diane, we are very linked to all the Latin American countries, especially Argentina and, and all the rest of the countries where there are many, many people connected tonight. So I say hello also to them. And it, it, it's also great to see that that community also feel part of this community. We are all in the same boat that it's so important for them to understand that there are so many people, as you said before, and, and also before, that we are all working in different areas, in different communities, but really about the same, and we are talking about the same. Uh, our role, uh, as I see it, is really connector, is the connecting the, between regions, uh, is the, the more that we know each other, the more that we learn working with each other in the different regions, we'll be able to really move faster. There were so many, it was so so emotional for me also in the past months to be able to meet Jeff uh, in New Jersey, in his house, uh, being able to, to really meet uh, a father that for 30 years, 40 years already is fighting for the future of, for the present and the future of his kid, uh, which is not a kid anymore, she's an adult. So uh, this is the, the type of things that are really moving to for us associations to keep that uh, to keep that thing moving, not to invent anything, but really to move on with he has what he has founded, and also of course uh, being able to meet Paul in Greece, also the the founder of the Isthmocytosis Association in Greece, was also amazing to to see how much he has done in all these years, founding so much activity. And, and push the, the physicians and us and the researchers to really look for more solutions. So our role is that to really promote, to try to promote as much activity as possible in all areas. And, and specifically, if, uh, if uh, I, I need to, to say that I feel like a really huge gap on the adult's part, okay? Uh, the patients, the adult patients, I feel that, uh, again, we have many solutions maybe and treatments for young kids, but the adult part, the transition from the pediatric side into the adult part is something that, again, that's something that really we can maybe um, also lead in that part and being a connective role between hospitals and different treatment givers and, and, and caregivers and, and centers, different centers that can be united. Um, also, in terms of recruiting patients for a different type of research, it's so important that people know that there is so much research going on. Uh, in Greece, the, the, the lucky ones, we are the lucky people that can participate in, in those type of events. And we have seen there 140 studies being done only last year, in 2022. So it's a huge effort that we need to also transmit to the rest of the community. That's also, as I see our role, to really being a transmission uh, thing. And that's why as a collective group, the international associations, uh, when we met in, in Greece, we also decided to move on with that type of project, try to harmonize the information so the patients and the doctors find much easily the information, access to the information, where they can get the treatments, 
what what type of specialists they can get in contact to and all this type of movement that uh, i mean the connection that we are doing is really working a lot and i feel grateful to be part of it well i'm inspired every day by both of you and the work that you do and it's this past uh histiocyte society meeting we had our second in-person and hybrid uh, meeting of international family groups and we set priorities and goals for next year and and part of what is so exciting is being able to see the um the ways that the communities voice gets brought into those conversations and how that builds the future for the community. And I'm just so grateful to both of you and uh, your colleagues at Histiocytosis Association of Canada and OR Association for the tremendous passion and dedication that you have. Um, before before we, we, uh, we go, I'd love to know if both of you just have a message to the community that you'd like to share. And Fernando, if you'd like to share yours in Spanish, that would be amazing. Um, but April, do you have any, any special words you'd like to share with the Histio community? I do, thank you, Deanna. I, I just want you to know that you're not alone, that it's a road that there's many of us that have traveled and please reach out. We are here to support you, to help build awareness. And if you can talk to your friends, talk to your family, spread the word. It's so much more um, rewarding to hear the stories that come through you to our office. And I, I appreciate each and every one of the Arhisio warriors and the people that get involved. Thank you. And April, how can people find the Histiocytosis Association of Canada? We are on the website, www.histio.ca. And if um, you go to our website, all of our information is there. We also have a Facebook page, social media, or Instagram as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for all you do. And Fernando, thank you for being up so late in the night to stay to, to yeah. spend some time with us and share your message. For um, me, do you have a special message to the yeah, community? Yeah, for me, for me, it's a pleasure, really, really, to to share with you uh, every single moment. You are as passionate as me with uh, Istio, and I think that uh, finding people uh, around the community so committed as you are, your team, Peter, Kristen, uh, uh, Kristen, everyone. Uh, also, Kathy, uh, and, and I feel really, really great to being able to, to share with you. And uh, as per the patient side, I would definitely uh, say the same as April. It's so important to have someone that speaks your language, to find someone, uh, those groups that really have the opportunity to give you the correct information and also guide you or try to help you to which professionals uh, to go to. And I would also like to encourage the participation in the different support groups that we have in Spain, for example, which are online. All, of, all the activities that we do is in Spanish, but it's online. So each Istio warrior in the world can participate uh, in those activities. And I really think that it's a, an important thing to, for the patients to join, to really meet other colleagues, to meet other patients uh, who speaks their language and they have the same things and the same journeys that they are having. So um, we, we will also try to also think about that as an international group, how we can really uh, leverage between all those groups and in, uh, as participants as possible, because there are also from the Erhem Chester disease. So it's, there are multiple opportunities to participate and to really get support. So that's one thing that we can do as associations. 
Thank you so much. And Fernando, how can people find the OR Association? What is your website? We we have every everything online. It's O O R Association in Spanish. Not so easy to say every single word, but also in Instagram you can find us on Facebook on, or any single of your publications that are linked to ours. So it's very easy to find. Fantastic. Thank you so much, both of you, for everything that you do for um, those that are local to you, but also worldwide for your partnership, your leadership, and um, for being a family. I think one of the most beautiful things about this collaboration is that the HISU community can feel as though there's a family of people working together, um, that we have their backs and we're working, working toward a cure. So thank you so much for your partnership and for spending time with us. It's a pleasure to have you here today and I wish you beautiful holiday season, although I'm sure we'll talk before beforehand. Thank you, Deanna. Wow. Thank you, April and Fernando. That was fantastic. It's it's just so interesting to, to hear all of the ways that um, lives have been impacted uh, just through this community and through all the work that they're doing. And we haven't even gotten through the first pillar yet. So <laughs> there's just so many fantastic things to come. That's why we say an hour or so. <laughs> an hour or so. <laughs> Um, let's see. I just looking in the chat real quick. I want to, um, welcome Kenzie on Facebook, whose son was diagnosed with ECD. So welcome. We are glad to have you here. And, oh, I see Karen too on Facebook, a 53 year old histiocytosis X survivor. So that's going way back. Wow. And a way to go for Tyler. So we all say way to go to Tyler. Great, great, great. Okay. Well, finally in this this pillar, we want to talk about one of the many ways that we raise awareness, which is through events. And many of you who are the wonderful people in our community are the ones who plan and hold those events. So now we want to uh, welcome Mark and Robin Ross and Karen Van Sickle to the Hopecast to talk about exactly that. Mark and Robin, let's start with you. Um, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your event and the growth that you've seen with it over the years. (laughs) Um, We host a golf outing. We've hosted two so far. Our first outing, we had um, 104 golfers. And I think we raised, um, we were able to donate maybe about 20, close to 25,000. And then last year, our second golf outing, we sold out. We had 144 golfers. Um, And we're hosting another one in June, June 13th. Of this year, our third one. <laughs> Fantastic. Are you both golfers? Um, we, uh, know how, we know how to golf. <laughs> we know how to golf, yeah. yes. Mark and my boys know how to golf, and um, a bunch of my family members are golfers. So, yeah. I'm pretty mm-hmm. decent at putt-putt, but not golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. And Karen, how about you? Your fundraiser has been going strong for over 20 years. How have you seen that evolve over the years and what are your hopes for it in the years to come? Uh, Yeah, we just had our 21st golf tournament in August, which means that our daughter would have turned 21 in August. And that's why we've held it every year um, since she was born. And um, yeah, we hope to keep on chugging along as long as Deanna comes over and joins my team. (laughs) I think she's in. You got it. (laughs) I I get a little bit better at golf every year. So (laughs) you'll get it. Yeah, that's what we tell ourselves, right? (laughs) 
That's amazing. Thank you so much for, for both of you for, um, for the, the many years that you've supported us with your events. It's just incredible. And um, I, I know that they're going to continue to grow. And I've, uh, uh, I love watching from, the, from behind the scenes. I'm not involved in the fundraising or event aspect, but I do love watching from behind the scenes and hearing our staff updates on um, the different events and the things that have happened and the, the amounts of money that you were able to raise and, and the lives that you've been able to touch. I would love to hear from um, all of you. What what inspires you the most about this Histio community? Well, I, I can say that um, I feel like for both Mark and I, when our son was diagnosed uh, with CNS HLH, um, we came across the Histio website. And um, I don't know exactly what transpired, but somehow Deanna um, reached out to my husband and then we had like a, um, what do you call it? A zoom meeting. She met with us and our son, and she was really interested in hearing our story and offered words of encouragement and her compassion and her genuine interest in our family was just so inspiring that, um, when our son got onto the road of recovery, we, decided that um, we knew we wanted to get involved with um, the community. She inspired us to do that. We hope that we can, because we felt alone until we met Deanna. And um, so we wanted to give back, to give back, story. right. And to be, to hopefully help other families the way she helped us. I still remember when I saw the picture of, of your son ringing the bell and and my tears of joy. <laughs> I and I think I, I may have called you right away or sent an email, but um, just really glad that that you know you've had this beautiful um, experience with with your son. And thank you for everything that you've done to help support HLH research. It's just been tremendous. So thank you, and for all the other things that you do, you've been very passionate about so many different aspects of. Um, of, of the pillars of the association. Thank you. Thank you. Karen, we'd love to hear from you too. What what inspires you about the Histio community? Well, I think in the beginning, when our daughter was diagnosed, our ex introduction and exposure to histiocytosis was fairly short because she only lived um, from October through March from diagnosis to the time she died. Mm -hmm. But um, of course, she inspired us first to do the first tournament for her birthday. And then, you know, what continues to do it now is all the families that continue to get diagnosed or dealing with it. And you don't want them to go through the same that we did 21 years ago. So that definitely continues to inspire us to, to continue to have a golf tournament and have people come out and play and, and raise some money. And thank you so much, Karen. It's been beautiful coming to your events and seeing the support of your community. And I know that um, for the last 21 years, you've really been instrumental in, in driving some of those shifts of HLH research. And I think it was last year you had those milestones by the years. And it was, it was astounding to me to see just the, the changes and FDA approval of a therapy and all of those that you've had such a big hand in making happen. Thank you for that. I think it, it pays off because one, it becomes a smooth machine when you do it every time. I call up in, in May and the ball gets rolled on your side. Um, and then it becomes kind of a habit. People now kind of just schedule early August. They know that it's the Anna tournament and they want to come. So it's, uh, it's exciting. 
that's awesome. 21 years. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, what do you, what do you all see as the future for Histio? What do you see? I can start, and I think everyone's pretty much said a lot already. Um, but I think Tyler kind of spoke for that, being that now we have a whole new of the patients that were babies or young, and now are grown up, and they want to get involved. And I think that's what's that's what's going to continue going, so that you know treatments and cures will created and support will be given to families. So I think, um, I, you know, Tyler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think um, just seeing how the time to diagnose someone is decreasing, and I feel that's, um, you know, the, the History Association uh, had something to do with that. I think through their research studies, um, creating awareness and having just uh, uh, the ability to speak with so many doctors and medical centers um, and providing education to them and awareness, that is going to shorten that time even more. Uh, so eventually, you know, if someone goes into a hospital and just uh, reaches the emergency room and it's one of the top things that they consider diagnosing them for rather than it, you know, being much later and, uh, you know, having negative effects on somebody with the longer it takes to diagnose them. So, yeah, I see that in the future. And uh, that's what we're hoping for. That's amazing. Well, I would like to personally thank all three of you um, so much, not only for being here with us tonight, but also for all that you do and have done for the community over the years and your events every year, your dedication. It's, uh, it's inspiring. I know we've used that word a lot tonight, but I, don't, I can't think of a better word. It's, um, it's definitely the dedicated community members like all of you that are the reason that we can keep going into the future. And in fact, I think we can um, we can sum it up by saying that the future of our community is you, every one of you on the Hopecast, everyone listening, and some that we haven't even had the chance to meet yet. So it's it's just so important that we share this with others so that we can encourage future generations to keep spreading the word about histiocytosis and making sure that people far and wide um, know what it is and how much we need their help to conquer it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was amazing. And that was, again, just our first pillar. <laughs> we still have two to go. Now, coming up, we're going to uh, speak to Ambassador Nate Milam and uh, see a video from Kayla Kaminsky, both scholarship recipients. And we'll also hear from a couple of, of uh, Histio doctors. Looking for the perfect gift for someone special this holiday season? Well, you can give the gift of hope, the hope to reach more people through awareness of histiocytic disorders, the hope of connection, bringing together our rare community, the hope to further progress by funding important research projects and initiatives. With your help, we can accelerate research towards better treatments, improve the lives of people impacted by histiocytic disorders, and move us closer to a world free of histiocytic disorders. Until that day becomes a reality, please help us be there for those who need us by committing your generous support to the Histiocytosis Association today. Every donation makes a big impact. 
To donate, please visit www.histio.org backslash give 2023. Again, that's www.histio.org backslash give 2023. End of the year knowing that with your help, the Histiocytosis Association will be able to continue to provide support and give hope to the next person who receives their life-altering histiocytosis diagnosis. Wishing you and your family a happy and hope-filled holiday. Welcome back to part two of the replay of our Giving Tuesday Hopecast. There's still so much more to cover, so let's dive right in. A couple of more people have shown up in the chat. Yuji Jr. watching from uh, Facebook. His son is diagnosed with LCH, multisystemic. And we have Don Marie on Facebook as well, uh, who has PLCH. So welcome to both of you. We are so glad that you are here. All right, I think that uh, we are going to uh, dive into some education. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this one over to you. I think this is more your area. Thank you, Kathy. And I just want to say thank you to all of our our special guests for coming on today, tonight, and and sharing your your thoughts and your words. It really means so much to us and to all of you listening, all of you that have participated in, in our work this year and years prior. Just thank you. And thank you to all the generosity that is coming in today. You're moving mountains and you're, you're helping to um, really fuel some important work. So education is an area of our mission with a lot of facets and education. uh, We focus on supporting people who are newly diagnosed, education for caregivers and care partners. There's education for those who are years into their journey for healthcare providers, educating regulatory um, bodies or um, organizations to help with drug development. And also for the public and beyond, because awareness is and education really have this overlap. And we try to balance all those facets throughout the year with webinars, engaging on various panels. And most important, I think, is finding opportunities to share with, the, with you to participate, um, advocating for change in policy or, or giving you tools so that you can provide education locally to your, your healthcare provider, for example. And I think education and awareness really do go hand in hand. I think one does help the other. Um, and so we'd like to ask, uh, you know, well, b- before I do, let me let me talk a little bit about our commitment too, to educational opportunities for you. Um, I think that they're they're very critical. So in 2018, the Histio Student Scholarship was born, and it has been supported by the Histio Hike Shenandoah, which is a, a hike event that takes place in Shenandoah National Park, and it's on its 15th year next year. And the the generosity of the community members as well for several years has really supported this program, and it provides scholarships to, for university and college education to students. And since the program started, 12 students have uh, received scholarships. And we have two special guests joining us uh, today. One is uh, Nate, who is able to join us in person, and then Kayla, who is going to um, join us via video. They've been a part of that program and would love to um, talk to them a little bit about how that has inspired them and what they'd like to see for the future of, of, um, you know, histiocytosis and education. So, Nate, Hi, Deanna. It's great to see you. It's great to see you, too. Thank you so much for joining us, Nate. You um, are, have been a part of the Histio community for several years now um, as an active member, as an ambassador. You, you, And I think first um, we're oriented with us with the Histio uh, Student Scholarship Program. So I'd love to um, hear a little bit about from you, um, your relationship to histiocytosis, why you applied to the program and what it's meant for you. Okay, so um, 
I was kind of I had a late start to histiocytosis. I was misdiagnosed three different times with Crohn's disease. And um, in January 2019, I had a bone marrow transplant after a few months earlier, finally discovering my true diagnosis of HLH. Um, so after that, um, during that that span, I, I spent a few months in the hospital um, while I was going through the transplant process. And I unfortunately had to drop out of the college that I was in due to the just tremendous amount of absences that I had at the time. So following that, it was kind of a journey to get back in the swing of things with school. That was a struggle with um, just mentally getting back into it and um, financially. So during one of my follow-up appointments with my doctors, someone um, suggested that I check out this program um, and, you know, look for his scholarships. And, you know, I personally did not even consider the facts that one existed considering that um, histiocytosis is so rare, you know, it's like you spend your whole life with this disease process that no one knows about. And then, you know, what are the chances of there being a scholarship for that thing? And I actually was not planning on applying once I didn't know there was one because um, I had unfortunate experiences in the past with applying to other scholarships and not really receiving anything, um, it kind of felt like a lottery system. And so it's like, what are the chances that I would get this scholarship? But my mom made a good point about, you know, if histiocytosis is so rare, how many people do you think are going to be applying for the scholarship? Um, which made a lot of sense to me and encouraged me to apply. And not only did I get a scholarship, I happened to get the top one, which was a tremendous help um, in my family and for myself. And it just so happens that with that scholarship, it has launched me to where I am today, two weeks from graduation. Um, so yes, that's so exciting, Nate. Congratulations. And I understand that your career uh, choice also has been influenced a little bit by your experience um, with HLH and, and your prior misdiagnosis and your desire to help others maybe navigate that with, with someone who has, uh, you know, help, help them kind of make, make certain choices and decisions to have that be a, a smoother process. Um, and now you're also a HISTU ambassador and have done a tremendous amount of, of different activities. You've raised so much awareness. You're so active on social media, sharing your story. And you've had some amazing nominations recently, too, to join um, you know, different panels and committees. Can you share maybe one or two of those experiences that have been either meant the most to you? or have really helped you understand um, how what you are hoping to do for uh, for your career will will influence and help others? Yes, okay. Um, so I am getting my degree in health services management um, because ever since I was small, I knew I wanted to help people. And when I thought I had Crohn's, I wanted to be a nurse. Um, but considering my journey with HLH, um, I was like, I need to figure out a way to make this more meaningful to me. Um, and so I, I'm now trying to be a patient advocate. Um, and there's many ways to advocate guys. You don't have to actually have a degree to do it. Um, but I just, I feel so strongly about this line of work for, for myself. I can't imagine doing anything more than this. So, um, that's why I have chosen that path, but, um, yeah, so with this opportunity, um, being an ambassador for this association, it has opened many doors for me. Um, one of the experiences I got to do was um, travel to 
um, San Diego for the first time and represent the HA and the Global Genes Conference. They had an equity conference that I was a part of, and um, I met many, many tremendous, um, kind people who were all invested in um, raising awareness for different rare diseases. And um, after going to a, a previous conference um, a couple months before that, I realized that um, histiocytosis is still a rare disease, even in the rare disease spaces. Um, it's kind of, uh, um, it makes a lot of sense that we have to keep um, reaching out and spreading awareness of our disorder because um, I think there are a lot of people who are um, just unaware. And when I was in the Global Genes Conference space, I got a chance to ask some questions and um, kind of use the little bit of spotlight that I had to draw attention to our cause and um, figure out some ways that we can advance and improve um, research and um, just more awareness on our side. So um, I actually got to work with a few other ambassadors from, from here and uh, we, we just had a good time. We had a good time just um, hanging out and a good time really getting to know people, many people in the rare disease space. So I've kept many contacts and I still talk to them to this day. And um, it's a great thing to just be connected with so many people who are all working together to do the same thing. Um, but also in addition, I have been fortunate enough to be accepted into the RDLA program for Every Life Foundation. It's the Rare Disease Legislative Advocates um, Committee. There were over 80 applicants and they chose 13 of them and I have it to one of the 13. So that was really an exciting thing for me. Um, again, I, I have, just because of my disorder, I've kind of grown up with this mindset that, um, you know, far-fetched chances don't really happen for me um, because, you know, I have a rare disorder, but what are the chances <laughs> of that happening? And um, so it's like the me feeling like I, I luck out on opportunities like this. Um, I just really have that, that great of a mindset on, on, um, on fulfilling or succeeding at those things. But, um, you know, you always have to try. So my mom has been really great at uh, motivating me to keep trying things, which is why I tried the scholarship and got accepted to that, which is why I tried applying for this ambassador program and got accepted to that. And I applied to this um, committee. Um, they have meetings throughout the year and we get to actually speak on and um, be educated on the legislative side of things, um, which I think is gonna be a great deal in helping make change in the area that we need change in. So I said, hmm, let me see. <laughs> and and it worked out. So um, I just got the news um, maybe last week and we start, um, our first meeting is in December and we actually like hit the ground running in January. So um, I'm really excited about that. That's amazing. Congratulations. And, uh, and, and go mom for supporting you and, and, and inspiring you to continue to try because you inspire us so much. And we were talking about building the future of the community and uh, you are doing so much amazing 
work. You're you're inspiring so many people, and so you, uh, you know, are helping to build the future of the community. And just the the different areas that you're focusing on are incredibly important. And so we're so grateful. I feel so um, happy to know you, and I just I hope that you know how many lives that you have touched and continue to touch by sharing your story and and continuing to try for those things that you so deserve. So thank you so much. Um, before before we we go to Kayla's video, do you have um, a, a thought for the future of his CEO, Nate? What what do you see in the future? Like someone else was saying previously, um, I think a lot has been said already. So I think many of us are going to be saying sort of the same thing. But I have literally seen um, change already to this point. Um, like I said, I was misdiagnosed with Crohn's three different times at three different facilities, and um, when I was um, correctly diagnosed, it's because I was dying. So uh, in it just so happened that I was correctly diagnosed in the same facility that I was misdiagnosed in. So um, since recovering from that and, and um, moving past that, I think I'm about five years post-transplant right now, which is amazing. I never thought, <laughs> never thought I would do that. Um, but they have since changed the way they diagnose Crohn's patients in that facility. Um, so they take further steps and actually send out more testing to ensure that it's nothing more than just Crohn's because if I had received that, then we would have caught it earlier. Um, and it just, you know, it would save up people more time and like they would have a better quality of life. So that's change right there. And just seeing how we've come so far already um, we have a ways to go, but it leaves me hopeful that we can advance even more going forward. So that's what I see, just enormous change um, in the future. Thank you so much, Nate. And thank you for all you're doing to drive that forward. We really appreciate you. And I cannot wait to see all the things that you'll accomplish as you as you continue down this this journey. And congratulations again on, on the amazing uh, acceptance to that committee for the RDLA. That's going to be amazing. Thank you Thanks, for joining man. us tonight and, and for all that you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> And now um, we'd love to share uh, Kayla's video, who was also a recipient of the Student Scholarship Program. So uh, Kayla, we'll bring you on. My name is Kayla and I am a histio warrior. The diagnosis I have was hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis, which is kind of like leukemia, but instead of cancer cells attacking my body, my own cells attacked my body and my immune system turned around and attacked my body. Well, honestly, before my journey, I hadn't even heard of histiocytosis diseases and things like that. Um, I wasn't very much aware of anything diagnosis-related. Um, I was diagnosed at the age of 17, so I hadn't really had the opportunity to learn very much in my medical career because I was literally just starting. I had just taken nursing assistant, and the thought of what histiocytosis diseases are didn't even cross my mind, honestly. Um, when I was diagnosed with H, uh, I'll refer to it as HLH, um, it was a little bit more easy for me to understand because I had originally taken a medical terminology class. And if you take my diagnosis, hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis, it's just a bunch of medical terms broken down. So that 
in some respects helped me understand kind of what that was coming from. But before then, the only thing I'd ever heard regarding histiocytosis was the medical terminology of it broken down. So over these past couple of years and fighting my illness and getting through all of that, I've been made aware of these diseases and how bad they actually are and how badly we need to be able to advocate advocate for them and spread awareness because one of the biggest things I've noticed is something a lot of these diseases need is bone marrow. A lot of these people that are diagnosed with these diseases need a bone marrow transplant and we need that bone marrow from other people. And not even bone marrow, just blood products in general. People need, um, for my disease, I needed a lot of blood. I was losing a lot of blood and so by spreading awareness for things like this, we are able to get people to donate things like bone marrow or blood products and things like that. And so that's where my advocacy and awareness has really shifted during this time. My college does a Be The Match event and I was actually able to participate in it this year, which was super amazing. But without the prior understanding of why we need people to do things like bone marrow, be bone marrow donors, then we can't get help for them. And so I think something really big that has shifted over the years is the importance of those people that swap and end up donating their bone marrow or go out and donate blood products, which is super amazing. I think the biggest thing is the education you guys provide really helps people understand. I know when I had originally been diagnosed with HLH, my mom didn't really know anything about it, which is kind of amazing because my mom is insanely smart. Um, she has a master's in nursing and a doctor in education. So this woman has seen just about everything. And so for her to get a diagnosis and not know what the heck it is. That was very stumping for her. And I know that the histocytosis organization really made a community for her. I know she joined your guys' podcasts and she listened to your guys' things. She used it to help determine where the best hospitals potentially were for me to get a bone marrow transplant. Um, and so just the community you built, um, it, it really matters. Thank you for having me today. It was super amazing being able to be here. I'm sorry I couldn't be there live, but I was very happy to make a recording. So thank you guys. What a beautiful message from Kayla and to Nate as well. And just so inspiring to hear their stories and to know this is, this is what we're working for is so that um, you know, kiddos and adults don't have to have this diagnosis. And also, um, for now, while the histio is still present in this world, that we can provide that support along the way. So thank you both to Nate and to Kayla for sharing your story and for all the, the amazing things that you're doing to help raise awareness and to support others.
I briefly wanted to touch on one other area of education that is our newest program, and it will lead us really nicely into our next pillar of research. And our newest program is the, Jun the Gracia Junior Investigator Travel Scholarship that we started this year in partnership with the Histiocyte Society. And this scholarship program is in addition to our Histio Student Scholarship Program, but it's a stipend provided to junior investigators who have submitted an abstract, which is a, a, sh a short scientific paper to the Histiocyte Society meeting and who plan to attend that meeting. And this offsets the cost of registration and travel, making it more possible for them to attend. The Ingracia family were longtime supporters of the histiocytosis community and had a very strong connection and passion for education. And so this program was developed through their generosity. And at, the meeting is very important, providing connections, networking, learning, and sharing, and hopefully will inspire junior investigators to see the passion that exists in the histio community and to stay connected and make histio histiocytosis a, a major part of their career for the rest of their career. And that is also building the future for our community. So I think that's a, a beautiful transition as we welcome Kathy back um, to uh, focus on our, our last pillar of research. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to uh, Kayla and to, um, to Nate as well. Um, we uh, unfortunately had a, a doctor lined up, Dr. Lauren Meyer from Seattle Children's Hospital, who, um, you know, the life of a doctor, uh, she had a, she had a hard stop at 730, had somewhere else she needed to be for work. So she had to leave us. But I will I will fill you in a little bit on uh, her story and why we were going to have her here in a little bit. But first, I would like to uh, to welcome Dr. Vasilios Papadakis from Athens, Greece. Dr. Papadakis, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, for being here with us and for for staying up so late. <laughs> well, we'll see if we'll see if we can get that fixed. But one of the reasons, well, the reason that we invited Dr. Papadakis here is because uh, he has been a uh, a longtime member of the education committee of the Histiocyte Society, and we've talked um, in, at various times about the partnership that the association has with the society and. When we talk about raising awareness and the future of histiocytosis, we 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 can't have those conversations without bringing in the medical side of it as well. And so, um, having been on the education committee, he is now the chair of the education committee, and that was why we invited him here tonight in order to uh, to share kind of uh, his vision for for the committee and uh, and for. Um, what he's going to be doing with the committee over the next couple of years. I don't see that we have him back yet. So while we're waiting to see if he can rejoin us, I will talk more about Dr. Lauren Meyer, who um, Dr. Lauren Meyer was uh, one of the recipients of a travel scholarship this year. Um, we expanded the program this year within this, the society in partnership with the association in order to, to offer more uh, travel scholarships than we've ever offered before. We typically offer, have offered around three in the past. And this year, I think we offered nine, 10, something around that um, between, between three different scholarship buckets. And Lauren was one of those recipients as a young investigator and has come on also to the education committee, was voted on by her peers at this past meeting. And uh, she has got such a great vision for young investigators. And um, she has kind of taken the helm of creating a young investigator committee so that uh, she can uh, gather all of the young investigators in the society, help them to get plugged in, help them to understand and know what opportunities are available for them. And like you said, Deanna, so that uh, they can make Histio their focus for all of their careers, which is which is really, really awesome. So that's what we were going to talk to her about tonight. But um, 
unfortunately she had to leave us. So I'll just have to uh, give you that, give you that quick overview of, um, of why we were going to have her here. And, uh, and again, she was one of the, uh, one of the recipients of a scholarship this year so that she could attend. And, uh, one talking about scholarships and education, I'll talk a little bit about some of the things that the society has been doing with their strategic planning. One of their one of their the things that they're focusing on over the next year are people in what we call LMIC countries, which is low to middle income countries. And people that are and doctors that are in these countries have a hard time sometimes paying for their dues or having the money to attend a meeting. And uh, that's one of the things that that these scholarships focus on is getting those doctors there. So that they can learn as well, and they can um, they can understand what the best treatments are, and and specifically what how to best use the treatments that are available to them, since all treatments are not available everywhere. Anything that you want to add about the the scholarships while we're talking about them? Yeah, I I just I think that earlier Fernando had mentioned that there were um, 140 plus abstracts at the Histiocyte Society meeting this year, and a large number of those were junior investigators, and then the scholarship program really helps make it possible for them to attend the meeting, and I I think that that focus on supporting the future of the healthcare providers and also knowing that the adult adult patient population really does need the support of a more empowered workforce of clinicians that are focused on adult um, adult care um, is just really inspiring to see. And I think the, spo- the scholarship program really provides that opportunity to not only engage those that may not have the financial support from their institution quite yet, or um, you know, may, maybe this makes their institution recognize the strength of their work, whatever that might be. I really think that it, it offers a powerful way for these young investigators and these um, individuals who are really passionate about histiocytosis to continue to stay involved. So it's it's amazing. It's a fantastic program in the society. It's just an amazing opportunity for these clinicians to get together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I will I will add that um, kind of like what I was just saying a minute ago, um, one of the things that the, the society is focused on is bringing bringing education to um, countries that um, may not otherwise have education in histiocytosis. And uh, one of the ways that we tried to do that is by is by moving this meeting all over the world. And so we're really excited that um, coming in 2024, we'll be meeting in Goa, India. And this is the first time we'll be meeting in India ever. And uh, we're really looking forward to being able to touch a whole different and new community of physicians that will be able to join us at that meeting. So we're excited to um, to use this meeting to raise awareness and to and to educate um, more physicians and and younger investigators as well. All right, let's see. Okay, I think we're still working on that, but um, I wanted to recognize we have Barry and Dick Atnip here. Hello, um, they're watching on YouTube out in California. So thank you so much for being here. You know, and I, and I know that we're we're waiting for Dr. Papadakis to see if he's able to to come on. Um, but you know, I think just also speaking to the gratitude that we have for the clinicians and healthcare providers who would take the time to come and speak with the community, and um, you know, to be able to share what the work that's going on. I think the uh, transparency and open communication that we have because of the strong relationships and partnerships is really inspiring. And I, I think mm-hmm. um, it's amazing to see that within a rare disease community that we really are a family and a community, and we really uplift and hold each other. 
Yeah, it's it's such a unique relationship that we have with the society. I don't think it's something that you see very often between the patient advocacy groups and then the group of doctors and, and researchers that are working on the disease. And, and so to not only have this partnership, but to have had it for so long is just um, really, to me, it's a feather in our cap of, of what we're able to do and just the amazing people that we have on both sides and uh, all the work that's being done. It's just really, really fantastic. Okay. Well, while we're waiting and to see if we can get Dr. Papadakis to um, to come up, let's just move on to our next uh, our next item that we have. I, I talked a little bit about those tech gremlins. We had one earlier too um, with a video that came in that unfortunately got cut off a little bit at the end, but we're still going to watch what we have of it. One of the things that we do here at the association is we have a research grant program and we provide seed grants to, to researchers in order to be able to look into the, the causes of these diseases and treatments and all of these things. And you know, this is a program that was started all the way back in 1992. And just to give you a, a couple of stats, we've so far funded nearly 200 projects and uh, for a total of $7.1 million. And, um, you know, we have a couple of, of um podcast episodes this year that focus specifically on the grant program. If you want more information on that, those would be episodes 27 and 48, where we talk about the importance of fundraising in order to fund these grants. And also we have um, Caroline Huter from uh, Vienna, Austria, who is the chair of the scientific committee talking about the scoring process. So those again are episodes 27 and 48. I'll link those uh, later on. And soon we're going to be awarding our 2023 recipients. But we always like to look back and check in with our previous recipients. And one of those was Dr. Scott Canna from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And uh, he uh, was a recipient of, of our uh, grant last year, one of the recipients. And he has provided a, a little bit of an update on his work uh, via video. Again, it gets cut off and I apologize for that, but I think it's still valuable to see what the, the portion that we do have. So we'll go ahead and watch that now. Good afternoon. My name is Scott Canna. I am an investigator at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I'm also a clinician in our rheumatology and immune dysregulation divisions. Uh, I'm so sorry I'm not able to make it for tonight's HopeCast. I'm actually previously obligated giving an HLH lecture of all things. Um, but nevertheless, I'm glad to be able to provide this recording of some of the work that we've been doing with the generous support of donors like the folks on this call and, and uh, the Histocytosis Association around this project that we're calling Defining and Interrogating the Hyperinflammatory Immune Synapse. So before we get into the data, I think it's worth revisiting what we mean when we say HLH. Um, it's a systemic hyperinflammatory syndrome, and a syndrome is just sort of a collection of symptoms that tend to go together. Uh, I won't read to an audience, but many of you are all too familiar with some of these features like the different kinds of systemic inflammation, high ferritin, low cell counts, clotting problems, and then some of the organs that HLH likes to affect, like the liver and the brain. But HLH occurs in a lot of contexts. Uh, so, you know, we're interested in knowing what causes it so that we can better diagnose it and better treat it. And at its essence, HLH is a T-cell hyperactivation problem. And so if you're going to study disorders of T-cell hyperactivation, you kind of have to know about what gets T-cells activated to begin with. 
And all T cells, in order to get activated, have to get some sort of stimulation from what we call an antigen-presenting cell. And that can be a cancer cell, it can be a dendritic cell, it can be practically any cell. Um, and regardless of what the cause or context of your HLH is, it seems as though the one unifying feature is that the T cells are getting hyperactivated. And that is act, that's creating all of these cytokines that are acting to create all these problems that are causing all these issues for the patients like their, their hepatitis and their splenomegaly and sometimes their CNS involvement. So one way that we would like to be able to better investigate this is actually to look at what's happening at the time that T cells are getting activated. And the place where T cells initially get activated is something that we call the immune synapse. And so most of you, if you've heard of synapses, you think of them between different neurons and the places where one neuron talks to another. But when we think of a, an immune synapse, we usually think of the place where a T cell is talking to and interacting <clears throat> with its antigen presenting or its target cell. And so we have a way of looking at this in live cell microscopy. We can watch live cells interacting. And we can see when T cells get activated using this dye that causes them to glow green. And we can see when target cells start to die because they take up this dye that causes them to glow red. And so all in real time on a per cell basis, we can start to you know, analyze these things and see which T cells are turning green and when the target cell that's right next to them starts to turn red. And we can quantitate all of that, um, you know, in the same graph in the same time to sort of say, here is the point at which that T cell started to flux calcium or turn green. And that's when the immune synapse with the, between that T cell and that target cell started. And here's when that target cell turned red and, and started to look like it was dead. And so that's about the time that we think that the immune synapse stops. And so one of the things we've known for a little bit is that perforin deficiency will make this time that the T cell, and in this case a dendritic cell is the target cell, make that a little bit longer. And we also have known that that um, increases the amount of cytokine that's produced. And so just to show you know, a video of that in action, you can kind of see this T cell, it's interacting with this target cell, it's turning green and getting activated. And meanwhile, this target cell very quickly starts to turn red and it starts to shrink up and die. And that's uh, a mode of cell death that we call apoptosis and that's the way it's supposed to happen. And so we've actually shown that when you do this with regular wild type cells that have plenty of perforin, uh, the, the average time it takes to do that, this is obviously sped up, is, is pretty quick. It's on the order of, you know, 10, maybe 15 minutes. But when you use cells that are lacking perforin, even if they're just lacking one gene, and lots of us are walking around with defects in just one copy of our perforin gene, that's enough to actually substantially prolong your immune synapse. Well, unfortunately, like I said, that got cut off, but um a little bit, a little bit sciency, a little bit heady for the end of the evening, but uh, we wanted to, we wanted to be able to provide that for you since Scott so graciously took his time to record that for us, and um, you know we'll make that available uh, in in the show notes as well. No, Dr. Papadakis. Okay, well we're sorry about that, but Dr. Papadakis was going to talk about his vision for the education committee and uh, just the the different ways that he's going to look to the future to uh, educate the uh, the histio doctors and those that are yet part of the society. 
and um, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, keep you posted on, on what he decides to do. All right, I think that uh, I think that we're we're about at the end of our pillars. Yeah, this has been a fantastic evening. Anything else you want to you want to talk about now? I know you, uh, for example, um, went to the society meeting. Anything you want to say about that? Absolutely, I, I do, and I want to first of all say thank you to the the whole team for the amazing uh, work and effort to putting tonight together. I want to thank everyone for your um, participation and engagement. It's been wonderful seeing you chat in where you're calling in from and your relationship to histiocytosis and all the generosity that has come in today as well. And I want to say a special thank you to Barry and Dick who both just pledged a thousand dollars to tonight. Um, so I think that means that we're only three thousand away from the 14,000 uh, match, which is amazing. So all these gifts will be matched. Um, thank you both so much and for all that you do for the Histio community. Um, really just so inspired by everyone. And, you know, I think um, every single day I am touched by the, the passion, the dedication, and the Histiocyte Society annual meeting um, also really illustrated that. You know, we, we were in Athens, Greece, and I know um, that that is a tradition to go back to Greece because of the connections with, um, with the Artemis and um, Histio Hellas organization there. And... Um, we were asked to give a presentation on the patient community perspective for several of the discussion sessions. And it was an honor and a testament to how important that all of you are to the clinicians and researchers that make up the society and how much we are actually working together. And we had opportunities to meet other advocacy groups. You met Fernando and Claudio. There's the ECD Global Alliance and the Histio Hellas. Um, there's the uh, Liam's Lighthouse Foundation. I'm going to uh, miss so many amazing organizations. But there's uh, we had over 16 different groups in this in this conversation, all working together for you and. We shared some of the advancements that we've made on projects together, um, you know, for for the Histio community. And one of those big accomplishments that we presented was the international access to treatment, and that's a template that we we we're putting together um, as a work in progress, but really a toolkit to navigate how to help people around the world gain access to treatment. And there's so many variables standing in the way, but we've had some amazing success in helping families um, as a collaborative effort to um, really break through and to have those those medications be available. So that's just one example of some of the things that we're working on. And the board presented some of their goals. Um, and I think uh, President Kim Nichols had, had talked about three pillars, clinical care, education, and research, and some exciting goals such as developing brochures, expanding the scope of the society, um, inclusion of junior investigators, and mentoring some of this younger generation of clinicians, um, also, great initiatives around research. And uh, one of the things that stood out to me was this aim to drive discoveries that lead to a cure by partnering with all the histiocytosis organizations, the North American Consortium for Histiocytosis that runs clinical trials here in the United States and North America the European Consortium for Histiocytosis, that is um, an actual echo to that, um, as, it, as its acronym uh, implies, uh, but for Europe, European, and there are other organizations like that in many other areas of the world, um, working together with the family groups to increase research funding and engagement with the patient community, collaboration on new ideas, there are steering committees within the society as well that that presented their streamlined goals specifically for their disease area. And I, I walked away from that meeting feeling so inspired and also feeling so grateful that 
all of the voices of you listening in today or those that are listening in the future, um, the, the, the challenges, the gaps, the needs, the, the um, positive things that have gone on, we can share those success stories, that that is really represented at, at, within the medical community and that we're all working together. And that felt just really amazing. And so I want to share that with you so you can feel that too. And to know that the advocacy groups are working on your behalf, that the association is working on your behalf to continue to bridge that communication. And, and I'll just uh, lastly share one exciting upcoming event is the Histiocytic Disorders Workshop that's taking place in February of next year. The North American Consortium for Histiocytosis, the Histiocytosis Association, Histiocytosis Association of Canada and the Erdheim Chester Disease Global Alliance are partnering with members of the Histiocyte Society and other organizations um, to have a really amazing workshop focused on bringing together um, all these different stakeholders to discuss how we build the future through harmonization of research between pediatric and adults, harmonizing data collection, developing a data dictionary. Um, and that way we can design research so it speaks to um, speaks to other projects and we can learn from those and identifying ways to bring results together more effectively to learn. And we're, we're even going to be focusing on topics such as diversity and disparities among patients. I just think that this, this shows the monumental efforts that you have helped drive forward. And these types of conversations will help us build the future of histio. And so when I think about really the theme behind our conversation today, this question that we've, we've asked about building the future for the community and of the community, I see um, so much potential and so much, so much exciting, exciting possibility for where we will be. And, um, you know, 30 years from now, maybe we'll be sitting here and talking about remember when histiocytosis was. And it, it does feel like we're really headed on on a really strong direction. Um, and having connections with organizations such as um, the Food and Drug Administration that helps with drug development, the National Institutes of Health and other similar broad reaching roles, seeing that there are programs within their um, within their organizations that have histiocytosis in their name. Um, it just goes to show what you've helped make possible through all these efforts for awareness, education, the research efforts that you've helped to drive and the advocacy work that you're doing. So um, it's an amazing time and there are monumental shifts and it's because of the motivation that you give all of us, the passion that all of you have, the passion and dedication that we have within the community that all of this is possible and it'll help us reach our vision of a world free of histiocytic disorders. Amazing work being done. I, hold on one second. I have just gotten word that Dr. Basilios Papadakis is back with us. So we're going to bring him up. Hi. Hello. Hi, Hello. good evening. Welcome. Hi, Kathy. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> How here this evening? How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Thank you so much for staying up so late and, uh, and being with us live. That is dedication. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're doing an amazing job, so I have to, to begin also. You are the uh, the brand new chair of the Education Committee, although you've been on the Education Committee for several years. Yeah. But um, we would love for you to tell us a little bit about the Education Committee, kind of what its purpose is within the society and, and some of the projects that the committee is working on. Yeah, well... The Educational Committee is a committee within the Institute Society, as you can uh, understand, and has major uh, roles to fill in. One is uh, to provide uh, enough material 
for the site so people can go there physicians or parents and and patients and find information that is valid and up to date uh, for them one of the major uh, things we have to do also is to evaluate all the uh, papers the abstracts that have been submitted for uh, the annual um, um, uh, meetings we have so we have to not only grade them but also see uh, what has to be presented uh, orally for more people uh, what has to be in posters and we actually try to give um, a voice to everybody. So, um, of course, if something is not scientifically uh, sound, is dropped. But we give the opportunity from um, lesser countries and people that are far away to, to present because that also gives them an opportunity to get the scholarship lo locally or from an organization to come and be taught within the, the, the meeting, the Istiosite Society. So they get treatment, they get exposed to new information, and that's extremely uh, important uh, for them. Also, what has started with the previous two years with um, Michael Herney also um, was a very important thing of mentorship. So we tried to, to link um, junior uh, doctors or researchers with major and established uh, clinicians and researchers so they can come, they can be exposed into the rare disease of uh, istiocytosis, either Lagerhans, non-Lagerhans, HLH, and that gives them a, a major opportunity and for many of them, we hope, will, will lead them to a career path within this field something that we really 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 needed um in our uh field so uh, it's not only me i was a member before and now i'm the chair but the um, board the whole uh, uh, educational committee um takes different roles like right now we're all revising some brochures for doctors uh, before we had brochures made for uh, for parents and families so all these are aspects of our uh, work and um, uh, together with that we also try to to be a very good uh, stimulating and up-to-date program for each year's uh, meeting as you know very well kathy so all these activities um, uh, by you know putting our brains together uh, is I think very uh, very important and I hope for that I will be able with my colleagues now to continue all this great work that has been done so far over the years within the Istiosite Society and the Educational Committee. It's a lot of important work that the Education Committee does and um, Scoring the abstracts is no small feat. In fact, this year we had more abstracts than we've ever had at 143, yeah. which is fantastic. But it takes a lot of time and dedication to go through all of those. So thank you for everything that you've done. Yes, believe me, believe me. And it's a, a late night work because you have uh, clinics, you have other obligations. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something that has to be done. And as you also know, many times we go first and second round to really um, make sure that um, what is uh, on the top is what is really um, uh, worth uh, being presented. And of course, it's also the board of the um, uh, Istiosite Society to give the final you know, assignment and, and 
go on for the meeting. Very, very important thing. What would you say is uh, your your vision for uh, for the the education committee going forward and for Histio in general? Well, for the committee, first of all, um, what we need to do is to work together as as, as a group and try to put our uh, ideas to really. Um, um, make the new mentorship program to begin with uh, really something established that people will take advantage of. Um, Then uh, it's the constant um, effort to give valid and updated information on the site. Um, and then, as you as you know, the the scoring of the uh, abstracts and giving um, more ideas into the um, uh, the board of the Society Society for the new meeting. It's here is also a very important uh, aspect. Um, we have an excellent group of colleagues from uh, uh, Europe, uh, Japan, uh, the U.S. And um, some of them have four, some of them are uh, new in that. And I think make uh, good work. I, I hope on that and I'm, I'm counting on my colleagues. Very good. Well, we uh, thank you once again for hosting us in beautiful Athens, Greece again this year. And um, <laughs> as Diana mentioned, we have a, a commitment with Histio Hellas that we will meet there every five years. And so it was, yeah. it was great to be back. It was great to see you again. Um, I'd like to give you an opportunity to say um, anything that you'd like to tell our Histio community. Do you have any words for them? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like uh, several decades back, we had some empirical treatments and different sites, different countries had different treatments. Then we had the Histio site protocols, the LCH protocols, when we decided to have a unified treatment let's say, for the LCH to, to give uh, to everybody and more, see what works, what is not working. The same thing with HLH. Now, in Lagerhans, 15 years back almost, we understood that, okay, it's not an immune dysregulation, it's not related to viruses, but we have some mutations, BRAF and mechaberations, that lead to this Langerhans cell istiocytoma. It was not something theoretical because it, it gave us the opportunity to have new medications, new, new ways to treat. By do- doing that, we understood that, okay, the inhibitors can treat, but once we stop, we might have recurrences. So now we're in the era of hybrid treatments, try to combine chemotherapy with inhibitors for the very uh, difficult cases to stop the disease in a fast way so people, uh, uh, the patients improve in their conditions, but also give chemotherapy and eradicate the clone, eradicate the initiating cell of osteocytosis. Um, So um, things are evolving and there are ideas here, new efforts there, and we combine them together to get uh, something new not to have just something new, but something more efficient and something less toxic in treating difficult cases. The same thing has happened with HLH, where we have 
uh, antibodies and have new treatments uh, without heavy chemotherapy into them. Um, and uh, we try for them to, to bring the patients in a good conditions to, to, to go to transplant uh, under the best circumstances and survive. So yeah, there have been many changes uh, over the years and it's an effort that is going globally, many people pitching, and we get to, to new concepts and new treatment. And I think that's very important. Um, and and uh, there are more things coming every, every five years, I would say. And I'm really glad for that. You also know that, you know, in Greece, uh, we're also inspired by the, by the Kondoyanis family with uh, Nicolas Symbosia. They, they bring uh, every year an excellent think tank um, trying to, 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 to move uh, mountains and, and uh, understand what the disease is and uh, get the best treatment. We, through that, we got a major understandings of the um, uh, neurodegenerative disease. Uh, why is it happening? After doing that, now we have to know, okay, what are we doing to, to prevent or treat patients that already have established neurodegeneration? So, you know, uh, every year, every two years, every five years, there, there are new things, and um, we can have better understanding and better treatment for our patients. And that's, I think, very important. I think that's very important. And I, I think that's probably exactly what uh, our community wants and needs to hear as well, that there are so many dedicated physicians like yourself that are working on this disease and working on ways to make them feel better, faster, and to hopefully cure this uh, once and for all, eradicate it from, from the earth. And so um, we, we really do thank you for your yeah. dedication, for your leadership in the society, for staying up extra, extra late to be here with us today. And uh, <laughs> I just want to thank you so much. And I'll thank say, you I'll so say, much. Thank you. And uh, uh, happy holidays to uh, all of you, uh, uh, to your audience. And, um, let's wish the best for all of us. Absolutely. We'll say Calispera or I guess Calamera for you. <laughs> yeah, Calamera might be better. Oh, wow. Well, this has been an amazing educational and productive year and two hours. <laughs> and as we look to the to the future, all of our guests have helped us to see just how much we have to be excited for um, as we move forward into 2024. So once again, I would like to personally thank everyone who contributed to this HopeCast, whether live or by submitting a video, and for wrestling with those tech gremlins. And, and we appreciate your um your patience with us. Technology is great when it works. Um, but we'd like to thank every single person that's watching or listening. It, that's you, our community. We can't stress enough how all of you are the ones that help shape the future of our community. And it's it's this community that makes us strong. And we couldn't do what we do without each and every one of you. In fact, I'd say that we're, we're, we're more of a family than a community. So you all play such a crucial role in our progress. And we appreciate you all so much. Um, I just wanted to remind you one last time that this live broadcast will be turned into an episode of the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast that will be released soon. And I will include information in the show notes about the various organizations that joined us today. Um, Diana, I'd love to uh, thank you for co-hosting with me tonight. Do you have any final words to share with the community? 
Thank you so much, Kathy. It's, it's always so much fun at, to be on a podcast or Hopecast with you. You're doing an amazing job hosting and just so grateful for everyone that participated and engaged with us today and for for all those that will listen in the future to this on the podcast. Um, we just thank you for everything that you do to help us drive progress forward and for the, the crucial role that you play in, in getting us to where we are today and where we will be in the future. You're amazing, and thank you, and and for each and every one of you, thank you for everything that you do, whether it's a, a message of support for someone else who's diagnosed, a hug to a friend or family member who needs it, for coming to the peer support calls and uplifting each other, for messaging through Facebook and social media, for reaching out to us and asking questions and just getting involved. Thank you for everything that you're doing, and we're so um, honored to be able to serve you through this journey, and just thank you for spending time with us today. I think that's a that's a wrap on our 2023 Hopecast. Again, thank you so much for being here. If you have any uh, any questions, any concerns, anything that you want to talk to us about, please feel free to reach out. We have a whole team of people that are ready to take your call and to uh, to help in any way we can. Wish everyone a very happy holiday season, and thank you for joining us. So there you have it, friends. A bit of a long episode, but it takes a long time to highlight all of the things that you are all doing to help realize a world without Histio one day. I hope you enjoyed this episode and the replay of our Giving Tuesday Hopecast. From events, scholarships and advocacy to volunteerism, education and research, we've certainly had a blockbuster 2023, and it's not even over yet. There's still time for you to increase your impact this year by considering a year-end gift to the association, which you can do by visiting www.histio.org slash give2023. I hope that by sharing this Hopecast, you feel more connected to the association and the things that we're working on. If you'd like to see the full video of the live broadcast of the Hopecast, including the video clips for which we can only share the sound on the podcast, look for the links in the show notes. We've got one more special episode coming your way before 2024, and I think it might end up being one of your favorites. I know it's one of mine. It's full of practical tips and advice that you can put into practice in your own life. I don't want to give it away, so you'll just have to look out for it next Wednesday, December 27th. Once again, I have very much enjoyed being your host over this past year. We've already been working on our schedule for 2024, and we've got some really amazing stories and interviews coming your way that we can't wait to share with you. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. So from our families to yours, may you have a happy, healthy, and hopeful holiday season. If you liked this episode, please consider leaving a review, sharing with a friend, leaving us a comment, or taking a screenshot of the episode and tagging us on Instagram at histiocytosis underscore association. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you're notified every time a new episode of Beyond the Diagnosis is released. Remember, we want to hear from you. If you have an idea for a podcast episode, you can email it to podcast at histio.org and put podcast idea in the subject line. For links to websites, studies, articles, or resources referenced in today's episode, be sure to check the show notes. As always, we've so enjoyed bringing you this episode of the podcast and look forward to sharing our next episode coming soon. Until then, take good care. <laughs>